All right. Hello, everyone. This is um, your vice president of finance, Ian Marcus Amelkin, here for the fifth episode of Lucid Dreamcast. It's the first episode during the LDB off season. And uh, I'm sure we'll have other content throughout the off season, but I'm excited to bring you um, a series that I'm going to do over the course of the off season called Better Know an Owner. And uh, the point of Better Know an Owner is to get to know everybody in the league and to learn a little bit about each of us so that, um, you know, we could uh, be, all become better friends. Not that we're not good friends already, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited to have um, my first guest be Mr. Nate Egan, uh, the owner and GM of Nate's team. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Nate. Thank you. Nice to be here. All right. So uh, when we were setting this up, you told me that we had to do it today because you're about to leave on your honeymoon. So uh, why don't we start off there? Uh, when did you get married? Who's the lucky person? Where are you guys going on your honeymoon? Um, I got married on last Saturday, the 6th. Um, oh. Yeah. And my wife's name is Julie. We got married outside of Philadelphia in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, for those who know the area. And we are going to Chile, and we're leaving on Friday. Oh, Days. wow. How long are you guys going to be away? Uh, we're going for two weeks. Oh, awesome. Where are you going? In Chile. I've never we, been there, uh, but um, I know that's beautiful, right? Yeah, I, I've never been either. So we're flying into Santiago, because you have to, and then we're spending a day or two there. Then we're going down to Patagonia for like four or five days to see the glaciers, so pretty excited about that and then we're Sweet. yeah no, i'm very excited that's kind of been a number one on my bucket list of places i want to see then we're heading all the way up to the top of the country to the uh, atacama desert which is supposed to be pretty cool i think it's like the driest place on earth and there's a lot of desert tours a lot of stargazing and stuff that you can do at night and then we're going to uh like a, there's a lake district kind of in central chile that we're going to for three or four days Wow, that sounds like it's going to be a great trip. How uh, how long were you guys together before you got married? So we actually, we have known each other for, uh, like, we met on the first day of college, but we were just friends for a while. I had a different girlfriend for most of college that was not her. Then we mm -hmm. kind of went our separate ways and ran into each other uh, on the metro in D.C., actually. Uh, and we've been dating for, like, five and a half years before we ended up getting married. Wow, that's great. That's great. And were there any uh, LDB owners in attendance? There were not, no. The smaller <laughs> ceremony. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so um, that's really great. That's really exciting. Um, now we'll go back and start a little bit chronologically. So how, how did you become a Mets fan? Like, uh, you are the only person in the league besides me who's a Mets fan. I love having another Mets fan in the league. It's great to commiserate with someone. Uh, but what mm -hmm. what uh, what uh, what what made you root for the Metropolitans? So I'm from Northern New Jersey originally, so the New York media marketplace, and I'm born in 1989. So growing up was right when the Yankees started getting really, really good and insufferable. And I just, I guess, I kind of have a bit of a contrarian streak in me anyway. And I just, I could not fathom rooting for the Yankees, so I just kind of went the other direction, uh, rooting for the Mets when they were really bad for a long time, starting oh, yeah. in like the, sh the strike year was uh, my first experience. Um, you know, just they, when they just had random 
uh, random scrubs pretty much. And I just kind of stayed with them for a while. And that was why. And it was not a great choice in hindsight, but what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's the right choice still. They're, they're, they're a lovable bunch. We just have a bad ownership. Um, did terrible. you spend terrible ownership? Did you spend your whole life in New Jersey or did you move around a bit? I spent all my life in New Jersey until college. I moved around within New Jersey when I, I moved from one town to another when I was eight, but then I stayed there until college. All right, cool. Where'd you go to school? I went to uh, Clark University. It's a small school in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. What was that like? I liked it a lot. It's a very small school, but I loved it. Made a lot of my best friends there. Very cold all the time. Uh, it's yeah. next to Holy Cross. So right. that's a place that's some people Dave might know it from. Right? Yep. Is that right? I think that's right. That is and right. Are you... yep. All right. And are you... you're an attorney, correct? Is that correct? I am, yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about that. What did you, so one thing that's interesting that I didn't know is that you're, you're seven years younger than me. So you might be the youngest person in the league, actually. I don't know how old um, Becker is, but uh, you're, you, you might be, uh, you might be a little bit younger than the rest of the guys, which is, might give you an advantage, which might give you an advantage in later in life when we're in our nineties and you're only in your (laughs) eighties. That's kind of what I'm banking on playing the really long game here. There you go, exactly. I still think Star Wars would be just as intense. <laughs> oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, so what do you do for work? Tell us a little bit about that. I am an attorney at the FCC, uh, Federal Communications Commission in D.C., you know, telecom lawyer, kind of like Star. So that's how I got to know him originally was I was his intern um, when I was in law school. What was yeah. he like as a supervisor? Like, was I can't imagine him. Like, I know that he works, but it's like hard to imagine what it's what it, what he's like as like an intern supervisor. He's very relaxed. We uh, it was very he's good. Very, similar styles, just kind of delegated assignments, and was like as long as you do these things, then you know I'll check in periodically, and that worked for me as well. And I guess it also helped. There was another intern when I was there who was kind of like crazy just really bad um so in comparison i was better i think so you know (laughs) makes you being the best of two is always a good place to be in i think that's right that puts you uh that puts you as the best intern exactly and it also helped that it turned out i we just got to talking about baseball and he mentioned like oh yeah i'm in a fantasy baseball league and i was like that's cool that's interesting and then I didn't realize, I, he was like, oh, it's a pretty pretty deep keeper league. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But I obviously did not realize how deep or the, the depth of the league until afterwards. <laughs> so tell, yeah, so that's a good transition. You know, you've been in the league now, this, that was your third season, is that right? So this was my, I, I don't know second. if we count the year, this was my second season with setting a lineup. I was like, right. I, I did the draft the year before, but without having an actual team. Right, right. So what do you what do you think so far? What are your impressions? I love it. It's awesome. I mean, I love I'm a, I'm a lawyer, so I like all the minutia, all the rules. I enjoy yeah. that. Um, but I mean, it's just I love the aspect of kind of focusing on all the, the minor leaguers and just the farm systems is something I've always found interesting as a baseball fan anyway. So it's cool to get to incorporate that. Um, it's nice that everybody is generally really active in the league. It's something in my 
experience in other fantasy baseball leagues in the past, especially when you have the daily lineup setting, sometimes people will kind of give up or kind of drop out for weeks at a time, which is not great for the overall uh, health of the league, but that definitely does not happen in LDB, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably the healthiest we've ever been right now, just in terms of engagement and lack of arguing, <laughs> you know, there yeah. before you join the league. I mean, I don't know if there was any while you were when in your first, in your first year where you were kind of observing, but there were some pretty bitter fights for a long time. Oh yeah. Fun. I did notice that. Yeah. I, I think like, you know, everybody likes each other now and like all these wounds have healed, but there, there have been some fights, uh, you know, <laughs> empathy gate is uh is is still sore for some people <laughs> for some people yeah <laughs> yeah so um all right very cool um well we we love having you in a league obviously i think you bring a lot of you you bring a unique perspective but also i like the way you manage your teams what are uh what are you do you do you, do you think that 2019 is a year you're going to push to compete are you still kind of biding your time and building up assets have you thought about it at all We'll see. Um, I mean, I think there are a couple, I think the road, a lot of it is going to depend on, I think with Zach Wheeler, depending on how, if he can do anything similar to how he was in the second half of the season. I mean, with him and Freeland, I think could be a, at least a decent um, rotation building piece. And then yeah. we'll see Certainly about a cheap one. Yes. And cheap, which definitely helps as well. Um Maybe Trevor Cahill, who would also be like 500000 but he kind of fell off towards the end of the year. Um, Freeland would be six, right? Or what, did, you, did, you, did you draft Freeland, or is he a free agent pickup? Oh, yeah, uh, Freeland would be – no, he was a free agent pickup, so he'd be the HTH for six, six million. Yeah, six yeah. million, yeah. That's so reasonable. I mean, he obviously – did you know much about – was that just like luck, or did you – is he somebody that you'd catch an eye on? he was almost like an ace in the second half of the season, or maybe the whole season honestly no it was most I mean I had known about him I knew he was a first round pick a couple of years ago but it was kind of at that in a moment I needed I needed somebody to pitch a couple of innings that's great that's that's, it's, so, it's always good when it works out that way <laughs> yes I'll say that was yeah definitely an unexpected bonus that he seems to be kind of the only pitcher that's figured out how to pitch effectively at Coors Field yeah so outside of fantasy or even within fantasy who are some of your favorite. So who were some of your favorite baseball players growing up and who are your favorite players now? Mm -hmm. So growing up when I was younger, my first, my favorite player was Mark McGuire. Um, just kind of got really into home runs and really enjoyed watching Mark McGuire. He was obviously the best home run hitter there was for a while. Um, Big, yeah, it's amazing. Yes, big Mike Piazza fan as well. Um, I guess my formative baseball fan years, my favorite player was David Wright. So this has been a tough, tough few uh, few years, really. But it was sad to see him go. Obviously, uh, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I I love watching Degrom pitch. I've always loved watching him pitch um, more than even the other very talented. Like I just enjoy watching him pitch more than Syndergaard. I. He's, he works much quicker, better, uh, better control. He's a really good fielder. So he's probably my favorite current Met. Um, outside of the Mets, people I enjoy, I will always, if I, you know, if I'm still awake, I will always make sure to watch Mike Trout play just because he's incredible. Um, yeah. I've gotten it. I've 
yeah, the Nolan Arenado is somebody that I also really like to watch play just in the field as well. He's incredible. Um, those are probably the biggest ones I would say that I will kind of try and seek out uh, the time to watch. Um, to yeah, I, I agree with you on the ground. I thought, I, I really hope the Mets sign him to a long-term contract so I could buy a DeGrom jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Like, that would be fantastic. And he's, I mean, he's older, too. So, it, the closest analog would have been, like, the Corey Kluber contract from a couple of years ago. But it just, I just don't expect the Mets to ever kind of do anything that is prudent or good. So, I'm not going to get my hopes yeah. up too much. But I think that it would be fantastic if they could. Yeah, I mean, they really should. What do you, what do you see... Um them doing you think that we'll get rid of both guys or sign one of them or what with him and Syndergaard yeah well because I mean DeGrom has two more years of team control left I wouldn't be at all surprised if they start looking to shop him this year at the trade deadline if things don't go well to start next season which they very well might not um yeah I, I mean if if they're doing well, I think they will just keep him for two years and then they'll make him a qualifying offer and then they will let him go to a better team that will actually spend money. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't, if anybody deserves a long-term contract, it's him. But I, I can see generally, I feel like most of the Mets and the Wilpons decisions are just based on being incredibly cheap. But I do see the hesitancy of not wanting to commit a huge contract to somebody who's already had Tommy John. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I just, I think you gotta. You could, I, I feel like he's so earned it. Yeah. I, w- I just hope Amazing. they give him the money. This has yeah, been one of the so, best. I mean, seasons from a pitcher of you know the last fifty years. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Me too. All right. Uh, yeah. So at the FCC, like, what's a typical type of work do you do? Like, what's what are your responsibilities? Um, so I kind of work on two separate things. I work on, uh, the lifeline program, which is designed to help low income individuals help get access to telecommunication service. And I also work on the, it's called the rural broadband auctions task force, which is, it's two separate programs, but it's, there are two separate programs that are designed to help direct federal money towards the deployment of facilities in more rural areas that currently do not have those facilities. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Those are both, both things you do are so do-goodery. I like that. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, it's, uh, the, the lifeline, the low-income stuff is kind of more of a political football sometimes, but the other stuff mm-hmm. is generally pretty bipartisan, which is nice. Everybody generally agrees that it's good to help make sure that every part of the country has some sort of access to the internet. You'd hope. I mean, certainly, I guess even the conservatives have to get their, uh, you know, propaganda out there somehow. Exactly. (laughs) Perhaps unsurprisingly, they are very, they're big supporters of programs that help allocate more money for internet infrastructure on more rural areas. Uh, Mm. Wow. That's really interesting. That's cool. All right. And, um, do you see yourself being there for long term? I don't know. Uh, I like it for now. We'll see. It's um, I no, I really like it. I like what I do. Maybe at some point the law the law firm life will come calling. Especially if we want to end up buying something in the D.C. area, it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure how. What does Julie? What does Julie do? 
She is a speech language pathologist in a hospital. So she does mostly yeah. like re- she works with rehab patients who have had, you know, strokes or uh, traumatic brain injuries and helps them oh, kind of recover their speech. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I didn't know anything about it when she started school. I only thought of speech therapists as like the people that you saw in elementary school if you had like a stutter or a lisp. But, but yeah, I, I, I went for my THs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. And that was what I only thought of it as. But she, she doesn't do pediatric stuff. There are others who do, but she works exclusively with adults doing rehab. So it's fascinating. That's great. I mean, my, my father-in-law has dementia and he goes twice a week to a speech therapist and we, we, we find it to be generally helpful. I mean, um, you know, it, it gives him pride, like to like remember words that he forgot and stuff like that. So it's great that that's what she's doing. Yeah, no, it's awesome. All right. So, um, all right, let's do a couple speed round questions and we'll let you go. So do you have any Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters? I do. I have a younger sister. Yeah. How old is she? She is 22. Oh, wow. You guys are, you guys are young. They are, um, yeah. In uh, the World Series. <sighs> I will say the Astros. All right. And who's going to win the LDB championship next year? Um, that is a good question. I will say... I'll say star. All right. And will the league still be going in 20 years? Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Egan, for taking the time so that we can get to know you better and for being the first uh, guest on Better Known. Thank you, Ian. It was my pleasure. All right. And we wish you a wonderful trip to Chile. And I'll uh, try to get this up before you go so everyone can wish you well. Awesome. Thank you. I look forward to it. I look forward to hearing it. All right, man. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye.